It is Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. This is another edition of Baseball Today. It is presented to you by good friends over at Shady Rays. That's right. You want to look great. You want to feel great. You want to feel confident. And you can also know that if you break these things or lose them, they will replace them. One of the many things I love about Shady Rays. Good Wednesday to you, T. Ploof. How you doing? Well, you know, I had a great great morning so i'm feeling chipper today i love those shades on you like i Thank think you. those should be your shades like from now on they kind of make you look a little bit younger which i know is really important to you so um look let's start the show a lot of good baseball talk coming on there's my guy yeah. just keep him on for today i'll tell you who i'm not i'm not feeling as good as even though i'm feeling great on this day christopher morell a guy whose name i had never heard of before last night, and I'm watching in my eight screen all the games up there, and I'm watching with our 16-year-old son, Brady, and we see a guy going nuts after he hits a home run. So we have to flip on over, and we find out he just got called up from A. Not only is it his first game in the show, it's his first at-bat in the show, and it ended up sounding and looking like this. Here's a 3-2. Where's the sound, Dan? You can just imagine. It's electric. I'll do the sound. Woo! Yeah. Hit my homer. It absolutely unbelievable moment. I mean, I loved it. I'm so, you know, I hope that the Pirates didn't take offense. And I hate the fact that I even have to bring that part up because that was just so natural. It looked like a guy who was having his first at bat in the major leagues. You can't hide that type of joy. When you hit your first home run, I, I mean, I guess I hid my joy because that's how the game used to be, which is incredible to me. Like, live in your moment, dude. It's at home. You know, you're at Wrigley Field. I went to this guy's Instagram page. He's jacked. He looks great with his shirt off, and he looks good with the union. That's the first thing I noticed, Chris, is when, the, when rookies come up or when they used to come up, like, you just didn't look right. You didn't have all the gear right, but he had – you know, all the protective gear, like the flap, everything going. He looks like a big leaguer, took a big league swing there. I think that was a 3-2 pitch and crushed it. Have fun with it, guys. Like, homers are homers are hard to come by, especially with the dead balls we got going right now. So, do, do you. This was awesome. It, the thing I loved most about it, it was not fabricated. It wasn't, you know, pre, pre-done. There was no, like – it was, holy shit, I just hammered a ball 417 feet at Wrigley Field in my first time ever in a major league batter's box. I'm firing the bat. I'm going to do this. And to look at it as anything other than just being in the moment, like, I don't live in the moment enough. And I'm 51 years old. Here's a kid that's 22 years old and totally lived in the moment. And I loved every part of that equation. 100%. You know, look, and if you're the pitcher... You just got to wear it. You served a meatball up three, two. It's the kid's first homer. Just let him have his joy, which I think, I think he did. I think everything's going to be fine there. 100%. Yeah. But the fact we you know, even have to, you know, yeah. I mean, unreal. The fact that we yeah, he, he did the Mark McGuire skipping first base thing right there. Yes, had he had to come did. back and touch it. <laughs> he did. He had to go back and touch it and he's all fired up. The, every part of it was just glorious. I loved it. That's why I'm wearing the Cubs hat today. What was this? He did. Morrell. He did this. On his belt. Is that for maybe, his last name? Maybe that's an, a morel thing. I, I texted Boog Shambi, who, of course, does an amazing job calling the uh, Cubs afterward. I was like, what's his deal? He goes, 
We don't know much about him. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't think he's one of their bigger dudes that's coming in the pipeline. Could be wrong there. And all the boys were fired up in the dugout. Oh, That's what makes yes. it even better. It's like the bullpen opened the gate up to like have a, a gander at what he was doing. The guys in the dugout were fired up. We had guys outside of the dugout fired up. Like it, it was a fun moment for sure. Dude, Wilson Contreras was jumping over the railing like it was game seven of the 2016 World Series. <sighs> Wilson Contreras was like trying to make love to Vogelbach the night before. So there's a lot of strange things going no, no, on. No, that was Ridley last Field. night. That was, last oh, that was last night. It was, yeah, that was last in the game. Night. Yeah, that was a, that was a weird one. That was a weird that one. That was a strange evening. You know, at first been there. So at first I thought it was like one of those where, hey, Vogelbach knew he was going to be out and Contreras kind of laid on him and just kind of gave him a little pat like, hey, dude, that's all right. And Vogelbach, I think, looked pissed. And so well, he then flung they started, the mask. Yeah, he did. He took that's when it, it went to a different level because. <laughs> And by the way, Wilson Contreras is not the guy you want to fuck around with. I mean, Daniel Vogelbach's a big boy. Do you see him coming down lumbering? I mean, back in the day, okay? I'm not saying back in my oh, day. I'm saying back go. in the day, you know what would have happened there, right? Right. He's going to steamroll him. because He's going to try to go him. after him. So that's a completely different play nowadays. I like the way the game is played now. I want everybody on the field. But, like, Wilson Contreras would think a little bit differently if you saw Vogelbach coming down there on the tracks coming to get him lower on the shoulder, but that doesn't happen anymore. But what a night, I guess. Wrigley, we've had these nights at these fields. Like, go to a baseball game because crazy stuff has been happening and a lot like, of fun. Let's move from one classic field to another, Fenway Park. Uh, that was pretty interesting what happened is the Astros went off in the second inning against Nathan Avaldi. They tied a major league record with five homers in one inning. Jordan, Tucker, Pena, Brantley, Yuli all going deep. Does this say more about Houston's potent offense or Nathan Avaldi, who has now given up a league-high 14 big flies? I think it's a little bit of both. I'll say more about Houston's offense, and we, we love this team. I think they're third in OPS plus right now in the big leagues. I mean, they can they can do that to you. Uh, you know, touching on E. Avaldi, he's, he's a guy that can give the homers like you alluded to. I have him as more of a stuff guy than a location guy. And if you're not locating, it doesn't matter what kind of stuff you have. It's a strange thing. You could be the best pitcher in the world and have the nastiest stuff in the world, but if you're throwing it over the heart of the plate, it's going to get hit. And I know they were talking about there was some wind in Fenway last night, but all those balls were touched, dude. I don't think right. there was any cheap homers there at all. So Evaldi is a little prone. Now, I sent over a clip before the show. I'm not sure if we got that ready, but back in my day, I like this episode. They were really talking about back in my day. Dozier, me, Kepler, back to back to back off Evaldi at Yankee Stadium. Really? Yeah, so he can give him up. He can, but if you look at his career stats, like last year in 182-plus innings, he only gave up 15 homers the entire year. He's only given up more than 16 in a season one time, and I think he gave up 23 that year. So there, there are – like Kurt Schilling used to give up a shitload of homers. It's just they were all solo because he was busy striking motherfuckers out all the time. Um so it, particularly in a year where the ball is not flying to see that <clears throat> to see that he's given up 14 homers already is a little alarming. I would say it's a good point. Yeah. I just think that uh, he's just been over the plate too much then before. Yeah, you're right. If he's only given up 16 homers, never given up more than 16 homers in a year. He's already got 14 this year, I guess five last night. It's a big chunk of it's that. It's going to skew it, but let's say even on a, on a rough night, he'd give up two. To give up 11 at this point, yeah. and you only give up 15 last year, is 
I bet you if you went and looked at his heat map, you know, where he's delivering the ball, it's going to be middle of the plate. Needs yeah. to get off of that zone because, like I said, doesn't matter what you got, what kind of stuff you have. You're over the middle of the plate. Big league hitters are going to take you up top. All right, let's talk about your original team, the Minnesota Twins, who are continuing a West Coast swing uh, out in Oakland. Uh, they did not win last night. Byron Buxton did not play. And that's been kind of par for the course in terms of two days on, one day off for their stud center fielder. Um, the Athletic did a really interesting column on it. Carlos Correa came to his defense and, hey, listen, if you don't understand what we're doing, to, it's kind of preventative medicine, if you will, because Buxton's been dealing with knee issues and hip issues, and they want to have him for at least 120, 125 games. But let's remember, he also signed a $100 million deal in the offseason. Does this sort of stance that the Twins are taking with Buxton make sense or not? I go back and forth. The one thing I'll take solace in and like, I kind of will agree with the plan is because I know Buxton has been involved in these conversations. You know, he signs a deal. He wants to be on the field. He wants to be on the field in October. That's the bottom line. So I think there is something to it. Let's, let's rest him. I don't think a hundred games should be the benchmark. I think we should, you know, have a plan and then kind of see where we go from there. Uh, but if you're kind of looking at the numbers from that same athletic column from 2018 to 2021, he's appeared in 215 games. That's 39.3% of the game. So if you're a twins fan, you know, he's not on the field a lot lately and you like him to be on the field more. I think you'll take, I mean, I, I'm trying to find a number where I'd be happy with I think like 125 to 130. I think you'd be ecstatic uh, last year, four and a half baseball reference war B war in 61 games it's the most recorded by a player with fewer than 70 games since 1900 this guy is amazing when he's on the field so i see why the twins are like let's take some precautions especially early in the season so we can have him full go for september and then october this guy when he's right he's a top five player in baseball so i understand about the part of wanting to keep him healthy because he wants to play meaningful baseball in October. If you don't play Byron Buxton more than 66 or 67% of the time, you will not be making it to October. You just won't. So I get it at this point. It was a rushed spring training. He's coming off another injury plagued season. I get it in May, but I think at some point they're going to have to revisit this discussion. I really I think do. they will. I, I believe they will. I believe, like I said, this is going to be something they, they monitor now so they can have him full go for September. I would be shocked, Chris, shocked if he got more than like two or three days off in September, like regular type of rest. Like if this, if it was still continuing where he's playing like three days off, three, like I don't think that's going to happen. They want him ready for that time of the season. And again, this isn't the twins coming down, you know, with the iron fist saying you're going to do this. I think it's Buxton is also involved in these conversations. He knows his body better than anyone. So he was involved and, and, and you know what, if he's happy with it, then you kind of got to be happy with it too, as a fan. I th do you think that the, um, the nine figure extension he signed is part of the reason if twins fans are frustrated by the stance that that's part of the reason why? What do Twins fans care about the money they gave him? Well, when you pay a $100 million ball player, unless he's a, a starting pitcher, 
you expect him to be available every day, right? Like the, the Phillies didn't pay Nick Castellanos $100 million so he could hit 125 games. I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm not against the stance that the Twins are taking because I think that Byron Buxton is such a special case. But wouldn't you agree that when you pay nine figures to a, an everyday ball player, you expect him to be an everyday ball player? I don't think the fans should care about that at all. The twins are the ones that paid him. The twins are the ones that came and gave this plan with Byron. So they're, they're okay with it. You know, bucks and that, that deal is very incentive laden. So like, again, Byron should want to be on the field every day. He just knows this is right now the way that he wants to approach this rest uh, scenario. So if he's okay with it, I'm okay with it. And plus you're already getting, if you want to go that way, and you're a fan, you're saying, we're paying this guy less money, we need to get our value, which is whatever. Last year in 61 games, you just heard me say, four and a half B-War. That's already all the value you need, 61 games. So if you get him for double that, you know, we're, we're in business here. But why aren't we saying the same thing about Mike Trout? Like, why aren't, if you're, you would never expect Mike Trout to just play 120, 125 games as long as he's not on the injured list, right? As long as he's on your active roster, you expect Mike Trout to play 154 games. I don't know about 154 games. We saw him get rested uh, when we went down there. I think that teams are taking this more cautiously, um, you know, as we, you know, in the modern era of baseball, we're understanding rest and, you know, how to, you know, how to evaluate these situations. I, I don't know. I, again, I think this is the plan for now with Byron. And I think, like you said, Chris, I think it could change later on the season when, shit starts to get hairy yeah i think it has to i think it'll have to so we'll see we'll revisit this topic i'm sure somewhere down the road uh san diego padres uh they got a big win yesterday in philadelphia three nothing win blake snell is now expected to make his season debut for the padres tonight so that means if you're keeping track snell will join darvish musgrove clevenger Manaya, and martinez in a padres starting rotation and don't forget about mackenzie gore who came out of the bullpen and threw three innings last night so should San Diego trade one of its starters for some maybe outfield help or some catching help? No way. No way, dude. There's a couple things I like to hoard, Chris. Good vibes and pitching. I will <laughs> never give those things away for free or just to get an extra bet. I don't think San Diego needs any extra offense. Right now, Chris, they are ninth in runs per game with the caveat that they're fourth in their own division, ninth in all of baseball and runs per game, but fourth in their own division kind of skewed a little bit there. Uh, but, you know, I, I pick my teams preseason, you know, on how much pitching they have, how much pitching depth they have, how, how many starters can go for you when you got six or seven, like they do now, keep those guys. I think the plan right now is, they're skipping, they skip Gore, put him in the bullpen just for one start. He'll go back into the sixth rotation. I think Martinez will end up in the bullpen and they play 40 games in 42 days here coming up. So like they need all these pitchers and inevitably like there are going to be things that pop up. We talk about that on, on this show all the time. There's going to be injuries. You know, we pray that there's not injuries, but that's just how baseball works. I want all the starting pitching I can get. I want it all. I don't want to go help some team, you know, here, you take the starter. All teams are, uh, most teams are starved for good starting pitching. So if you're, if you're San Diego, keep it all to yourself, keep it all yourself. Cause you're going to need it later on in the season. I don't think they should trade anybody, at least from their starting rotation. Not only uh, shouldn't they, I think they would have a hard time doing it because of the contractual status of most of their pitchers. 
the number one guy that people would be clamoring for is who? Mackenzie Gore. And you're not going to give that guy up at all. The rest of the guys, like Darvish is a free agent after this year. Manaya is a free agent. Musgrove is a free agent. And Clevenger is a free agent. So, A, it makes zero sense for the Padres in terms of their long-term viability to trade a guy. And how many, what are you going to get, for the most part, for a starting pitcher that's a rental for two months? We've seen in recent years the return is not that great. Mm-hmm. So it just doesn't make sense unless it ends up being, let's say, a rental starting pitcher for a rental outfielder or a rental catcher or something like that. And I don't know if that's many appealing guys out there yeah I, I i think they should stand pat with the pitching like i said they're gonna they're gonna need that depth and when you have i mean you, when you have that depth it's it's gold like it oh. is literal baseball gold so well not literal that's hyperbole i'm using big words today on this you show are. i All would right. ju- <laughs> i would just stick with what you got keep the six-man rotation even though i never think it works out you kind of got to do it in this situation. And Martinez, I think, can fluctuate, you know, give you a spot start here and there if you need it, but he can also eat some innings in the bullpen. And let's keep in mind about the new playoff format, right? There is there is value in winning the division, but if not, it's the teams that have massive starting pitching depth that I mm-hmm. think will be able to win those, the, those wild card round games. And yes. um, that's going to come in handy because those guys that don't start are going to come in and, and be able to give you three or four innings if you need to. And hundred percent. How many of the how many teams that are contenders right now have that sort of flexibility and versatility in their pitching staff? Very few. I think like the Yankees, maybe. I, I, right? Maybe not even them. They have you know they're they're doing it, but that this is the most stacked or like loaded depth wise rotation in baseball, and you should keep it that way. Yep, thousand percent. Uh, last one, um, Aaron Judge had a monster game in Baltimore. Just a huge, huge game, which actually um, could have been bigger. He ended up hitting two home runs. He had a four-hit night. But as you saw, that first shot that he hit in the first inning went off the brand-new wall, and uh, a lot of guys had comments about it, including his his skipper, Aaron Boone. Wow. He got... Uh... Almost three, but build your own park got, got him there and left. <laughs> build your own park got him there and left. Did you laugh at that one? Or were you like, well, wait a second. Wasn't Chris Woodward making fun of your little league park not all that long ago? It's kind of where I went with it. Seemed a little forced, Booney, but you're a USC guy, so I'll let it slide. Go pack 12. Uh it's interesting with Baltimore. I mean, I used to obviously love to go and hit there, and there was homers to be had in left field, and now they've kind of moved it back. I mean, it's interesting also that Dan Rourke had this video just queued up perfectly when I asked him to do my home run video. No, but Aaron Judge, yes. So we'll have to talk about that after the show, Dan. I, I, I don't know. It seems weird to me when I'm looking out there um, at, the, at the wall in left field in Baltimore, but by all accounts, people that have gone there, and seen games they say it looks great like it looks fine like it, it doesn't really matter so uh, I think one of the best things about baseball is the you know irregularity of the stadiums and like you learning how to play different outfields different foul ground territories the backgrounds are different you know behind home plates bigger smaller so I love that about baseball and you know what if they thought they had a problem with it 
I'm okay with teams being proactive and saying, you know, we don't want to get that many homers. Let's move it back a little bit. I'm fine with it. Well, I found it very interesting that it took uh, somebody 18 games to complain about the wall and left. Cause that thing, it has been up there since opening day, right? They didn't just erect it last <laughs> night. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting that the guy who's probably played the best out of anybody in baseball is the one who was affected by it. And the sports most popular team is the one where people start bitching and moaning about the situation in Baltimore. Like guys, that wall's been there all year, whether you like it or you don't like it, it's, it's been there. So do I like it personally? Not really. I also liked it when, um, when guys would make leaping catches in front of that wall in left field, because it was one of the shorter fences that we have in baseball. So you could go up and get it. It wouldn't happen a lot, but maybe one or two times a year where a ball would get stolen. I like that aspect of the game. It also just look, looks a little weird because it, it kind of juts out from center field and then it cuts back in left field. It just is a little bit of an eyesore for me. Um, I understand why the Orioles may have done it. Maybe they want their pitchers feeling a little bit better. They have gone nine and nine at home. I don't know if the wall has anything to do with it. They have, for the most part, pitched a little bit better this year. But I just, it was interesting how, you know, Judge was pissed. Aaron Boone was pissed. You won the Judge game. Was, Judge was mad because he got thrown out of third base. All right. He hit two oh, more yeah. homers. He's fine. Um, I don't know. I, I Camden Yards is one of the best baseball fields in the world. So I, I, I don't want to complain about that place. It's beautiful, no. man. Yeah, it still holds its value very well. And it it's really been does. For almost th for 30 years now. So it's, it's uh, incredible. At, le at least Chris, I mean, look like at least they didn't forget to put in bullpens. Didn't San Francisco forget to put in bullpens. You know, you have the monstrosity that is the Coliseum and the trop. I guess those aren't even really supposed to be baseball fields. I don't right. know, man. Camden, Camden is beautiful, man. I can't, I can't, I can't sit back and let people talk on that park. It's a gorgeous park. I'm with you a thousand percent. What do you have coming up on John boy media? uh out what's today wednesday yeah out this morning we uh did our midweek episode for talking baseball we went over the over-unders that we did um mm -hmm. preseason and kind of took a look at where everyone was standing you know there are some teams that are way out in front of their total some teams that are way under their total and it's kind of just a good way to go and see how teams are performing so a lot of good info in there and jake and jimmy and i uh we were just on one yesterday. A lot of fun. So go check that out. What about you? I uh, just taped yesterday an episode with Logan Webb, who actually will be on the mound today for the San Francisco Giants. Uh, really fun discussion. I love it when I have guys on that are huge sports fans. So he grew up a huge A's fan. He's from Northern California. A huge Oakland Raiders fan. And his passion has followed them to Las Vegas. And a huge Sacramento Kings fan which is hard to find in this country. They were so, good in, you know, early 2000s. I, I would say that this was the most Sacramento Kings discussion had on a podcast, even an NBA podcast, maybe all year. It was really, <laughs> but it was fun to kind of get like, he's, he talks about his Jersey collection and all that sort of stuff. Um, he really was fun. I loved it. And I ended up getting him because we went down to Dodger Stadium that day. He introduced himself. I was like, hey, I'd love to have you come on the podcast. He was like, great. The Giants PR, Matt Chisholm, who, who's the head of that department, was like, listen, I'm happy you guys got introduced. You guys set it up on your own. You know, some of the PR guys get a little protective of their dudes. 
So they're like, yeah. no, you have to go through. He was like, you got his number. You guys set it up. I'll listen. And I can't wait. So that'll be coming out tomorrow. Yeah, he was super cool when we talked to him. Very uh, just kind of like energetic and happy. And, yeah, you know, I told him, I said, you're a stud, dude. He kind of just looked at me like, who, who is this guy? But Kings fan, they're at one point, maybe the ugliest team in sports history. It was like Mike Bibby, Vladi Divac. Who else was really ugly on that team? Like um, 98 or well doug christie was on that team peja stoyakovich was on that team yeah, there's some ugly yeah well, there's some ugly not all of them are team. ugly but okay yeah well, sorry well, i just that's just i was just thinking about that i i used to really like ugly teams sacramento kings that era it's all in my mind all the time dude vladi was smoking heaters at halftime and then going out <laughs> and flopping on the court you know just like me just like me and young hill park baby and then became their gm eventually it was an interesting That's true. You're, you're totally right about that. All right. Um, we want to thank everybody for joining us, whether it's on our John Boy Media YouTube channel uh, or wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget about the AMP app. You can join the discussion every day starting at 1130 Eastern for a full hour if you want to tune in that way. Whatever way, we greatly appreciate it. We want to give a shout out to our producer extraordinaire for the day, the one and only Dan Rourke. That is Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. We will see you Thursday on Baseball Today.